Welcome to Come Along for the Ride, a podcast for horse lovers everywhere. I'm your host, Tracy Malone, and this podcast is brought to you from my home in the Sanford Valley, in the northwest of Brisbane, Australia. This land I live on is Waka Waka and Turrbal country. I'd like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of this land and to pay my respects to their ancestors, past and present. And I'd also like to extend that respect to each and every one of you listening. This episode is a wee bit different today. This episode, I'm going to tell you my story. Yep, that's right. It's my turn. It's time for me to speak up. So I thought it was time because a few people have asked my story and I've been telling it over and over to different people. So I thought, why not pop it down in a podcast and then everyone can know a bit more about the person behind the mic, behind the horses. So my story is, did I grow up with the horses? No, I didn't. I rode horses when I was a teenager. I grew up in a little country town, a tiny place called Murramai. It's in the Riverina near Leeton in New South Wales, Australia. And my dad and my dad grew up around the area as well. And he farmed on horses and he had a horse riding accident. It had something to do with opening a gate, a snake, being bucked off and a rock and then a hospital. So I believe he was uh, knocked out unconscious and was in hospital for a while. So he never allowed me to ride horses when I was a kid. So of course I did. Um, I snuck off and rode the neighbors and my friend's horses. And um, that's how I got my horse riding in and how I got my um, fix of horses. But then dad found out that I was riding horses as happens in small towns And so then he, because we used to ride with no helmets and we used to just ride off to the swimming channels and have a swim and come back. This was rural Australia. And so he made me ride with one of the neighbours that he knew on one of her ponies, not a horse, but a pony and the beautiful flicker. And I had to wear a hat and I had to wear the right boots and I had to have all the right gear and I had to ride in an arena So it kind of took the fun out of it, but at least I got to ride a horse, so I was really happy. And I did that up until my teenage years, until about 16, 17 years old, and that's when other things took over. I got interested in boys, I got interested in cars, I got interested in a lot more basketball as well. So I was driving and playing a lot of sport. And because I didn't have my own horse, I didn't have that kind of responsibility. So horses went out of my life. I still kept the love for them. And I used to uh, ride trail rides whenever I possibly could when I'd, when I'd go anywhere, but that always disturbed me anyway. I never quite knew the horse I was riding. I never knew if the horse wanted to be ridden. I always felt a bit queasy, but again, I didn't know any better. So I'd do a trail ride here and there, um, but only about five in my adult life. And then in 2008, I studied holistic counselling. It was an ad in a Living Now magazine, which is like a spiritual, free spiritual magazine. It was back then. And it just had an ad for learning to be a counsellor. And, and it's one of those things where it just calls to you so loud. I had no interest in being doing counselling or learning to be a counsellor, but it's something I just knew I had to do. So I did. And I went and studied that. And the wonderful thing about it, my teacher was a psychologist for many years and she taught psychology at university down in Melbourne, but nothing within psychology taught her what a feeling was and what to do with it, is the way she explained it to me. And 
what then happened was she studied Eastern philosophies. She came very disillusioned, disillusioned with psychology, studied Eastern philosophies and married the two together. So she has that Western understanding, that psychological understanding, but now she's taught me what to do with feelings, what a feeling is. And it was a beautiful, beautiful course to do. And what I learned was I didn't learn how to be a counsellor. I became a counsellor. She doesn't teach counselling. She creates counsellors. And that's a big difference between whether you're sitting and learning something or whether you're in full experience of your own issues. She believed that you could not sit in empathy with another human unless you'd worked through your own stuff because your own stuff is what everyone brings you. So it's just that normal law of like attracts like. And she worked through that and it was really amazing. So I started doing a bit of counselling and all I knew was that something was missing and all I can, the best way I can explain it, something was missing from my puzzle. I had a puzzle and it was all the pieces of my work and there was something that was missing and I didn't know what it was. And the deeper I thought about what it was that was missing, the more my life unraveled. And I was living in Melbourne at the time. I'd studied in Melbourne and everything started going wrong. It's like the foundation under your feet just start to just chip away and all of a sudden there's nothing left under your feet. And I asked for guidance and I stood outside my house one night and I said, I, I need your help. You need to give me a really clear message. You need to bring it away that I understand it. You know, you've got to give me something here because I'm so lost. And I had a dream that night and it said, pack your bags and move to Queensland. And so I was sitting there with a friend. We're looking at a calendar and it was six weeks away from the date that it was at when I had the dream. And I woke up the next morning and I was like, oh my God, that's what I need to do. And so I rang family in Queensland and my auntie said, pack your bags and come on up. And it was just the way it was said to me in my dream. And I was like, okay, this is exactly what I meant to do. So up I came to Queensland and then I just followed my nose for a while and did fall in easy jobs that I normally did in, in hospitality and admin and things like that, the, the stuff that pays the bills but doesn't feed the soul. And one day we were up on Mount Tambourine and I was with my auntie who's very uh, tuned in, let's say. And there was a whole bunch of books in this bookstore and they had one table of books and it was all about horses. They were all horse books of some kind. And she just said, didn't you say something about horses when you were a kid? Like you enjoyed them? And I was like, yeah, I felt a lot of freedom riding horses and being with horses when I was younger. And she said, there's a whole bunch of horse books over there. I have a feeling there's one there for you. And so I looked through all of these books. And there was this big blue book called The Tao of Equus by Linda Cohenov. And I read the the back thing and I thought oh well that doesn't make much sense to me but it sounds good I'll try that book and so I bought the book and I read the book and it was just that moment of everything dropping in I'd spent my whole life with no direction going from job to job wondering what on earth I was doing here I'm someone who desperately needs a purpose I did loads of charity work I fostered animals I did whatever I could but just nothing satiated that feeling that I had of, of there's something here for me and I just can't find it. And this book brought it 
straight to me. And because this this kind of thing, this was before iPhones, this was before anything like that of of really being able to get into this kind of work and, and find people who did this kind of work. I just read the book and I thought this is the exact piece of the puzzle that I'm missing. So I did go to Google and I searched and searched, but there just weren't the people out there doing it in the country at the time. Social media was not big enough to be able to really play a part in anything that I was doing. I could not find anything. And so as the universe has it, I happened across a woman who was doing something similar. And she was only 10 minutes away from me, and that was pretty special. So I went and volunteered myself up and said, I'll just be here every day. Every day that I'm not doing something else, I'll be here. And it was wonderful learning from her. She had a big heard and I was able to go deep into the work but she was a coach not a counsellor and she wanted me to work within her paradigms and what her idea was in this kind of work and I once again thought I've got this amazing training I've been taught so many amazing things and I can see clearly what it is that I can do here but I don't have the space to do it so um, with deep regret and great love I left there it was one of her horses her lead horse actually he always was a bit offside of me I was always a bit nervous around him and he just walked up and he put his head in my chest one day and he said it's time to go it's time to go and so with many tears and not in a way I would have liked to have gone but she understood it was time for me to go so after that again I followed my intuition and it took me to a lifestyle retreat on the Gold Coast called Gwingana Lifestyle Retreat and uh Basically, I kept seeing and hearing the word Gwingana everywhere and it was a place I was meant to be, but I couldn't see horses anywhere on their program. And so I was ringing them up to see about work experience there. You could do six weeks there for work experience and I rang them up and she said on oh, part of the job of the work experience people is looking after the horses and I was like what horses and she's like I beg your pardon I went, I'm so sorry but I actually do a type of horse work and I love horses and I looked and I saw you didn't have horses and she said oh well the general manager has her own horses on site and they actually stay here so that she can ride them in her spare time and I nearly jumped out of my skin I was so excited I wanted to go up there then and there so anyway, I got up there and long story short, I had a conversation with the general manager and said, I can do this work. And she said, fantastic, let's do this work. And she backed me, which I'll always be grateful for. She asked me if I could see if her horse was up for the job. And I went and had a long conversation with him and he was absolutely up for the job. And what was really interesting as well was there was another horse and who was the general manager's friend's horse. And the general manager's friend said to me, would you, you see if he would like to do the work as well? And I asked him and he said, not yet. And it was really clear, not yet. And guess who is the lead horse and the main horse doing the therapy work up at Gwingana now is that very horse. And I say it with a smile because I'm so proud of him. He just knew it wasn't his time and he was waiting for his human to come along. So anyway, I got to work with this horse, the general manager up there and the team backed me. And we built a yard and, and we did the work. And the reason I'm telling you this is because I learned so much. I learned so much during this time about horses. And what I learned as well 
is the reason I couldn't be in the horse world up until this time and I wasn't, I, I still couldn't step into the horse world now was because my job was to listen to horses. It wasn't to be a horse person. It was to be a facilitator of the equine experience, which is what we called it up there. It's very different listening to horses and being a facilitator than it is to be a horse person, in my opinion. The reason I was able to do the work I was able to do, the reason I was able to be known as go and cry with the horse is because I was able to tune into what the horses were doing. I didn't have a preconceived idea of how my horses should behave. I knew safety and I was very comfortable with this horse that I worked with. I did not do any horsemanship with him because he didn't need it. We had a deal. He knew his role, I knew my role. And my role was to surrender and allow him to guide the session. And I was to use my skills, my abilities and my training to support the work that he was able to do. During that time with horses, what I saw was extraordinary. What I saw was session after session after session. I wouldn't halter the horse to get him up to the round yard. I'd walk in and I'd tell him the names of the people we had for that day. The amount of sessions we were doing, which we, we figured out together that three was enough. By four, we were both tired and we didn't do the best job we could do. So we knew that we could do three in a row. I told him how much time we had for each session and I'd say, how about it? And I'd open the gate and we'd walk out together and then I'd say, I'll race you. Ready, set, go. And he and I would have a race up to the round yard. And people it would always amaze people, but it never amazed me because that was the deal. And that's how we worked. And he was never forced into working. He was never told he had to work. He knew his job and he wanted to do it. And he loved his job. He really loves his job. And every session I watched him while I worked with this horse on the mountain. His name is Stevie. He was a quarter horse. He is a quarter horse and he's an amazing quarter horse. So we had a short amount of time to bring people in, get to the issue, open it up, do some really good strengthening and healing around it, make sure they were settled and okay, and then they would move on to the next thing and we would have to move on to the next person. And I watched him selflessly do this day after day after day after day. And he loved the work that he did. But also it was in the shift that he was able to give humans. And it would take me at least three or four sessions to do without a horse what I could do with the horse. It was his way of being able to deliver the message to the human that astounded me. Most people finish work and they feel exhausted. I would finish work and I would be elated. And every time I did this work, I would look my horse in the eye at the end of it and I would just go, I have no idea what just happened. I have no idea how it is that you do the, what you do. And I'm so grateful that you do it because it's the most extraordinary thing I've ever seen. And in those moments, I knew that one day I had to give back to horses somehow that I was going to have to evolve into a space where I was going to have to teach people and show people how amazing these creatures really were. 
because it goes beyond going in and having one session and people go, wow, horses are amazing. I was watching it time after time. And at the end of every session, in that moment, I knew that one day I was going to having be having to do something exactly like what it is that I'm doing now. One of the really interesting things about this time as well was that everyone expected me to be some kind of elite horse person that had spent 30 years in the field. But what was what became apparent over time was that I couldn't go in with any preconceived notions of how it is that my horses should behave. If I'd gone in knowing myself as a traditional horse person, if I'd have gone in believing that my horse should have a behavior, believing that my horse should and shouldn't do certain things, I never would have been able to allow them to bring out what it was that they did in people because it would have been blocked by my belief system and it would have been blocked by the pressure that the horse world does put on you, the traditional horse world puts on you about certain types of behavior and certain things. So for all of those people who've been in the horse world for a long time and are now understanding these things, I was kind of blessed in a way because I always had the feeling that the horse world is not somewhere that I belonged and I was able to come in from the reverse angle. I was able to do all the work on myself, go in, have this extraordinary understanding of these beings in front of it and no traditional horsemanship ever made sense to me. The only problem was is that I wasn't a horse expert, which I believe for me stopped me then doing the type of horsemanship that I, I would have loved to have done. So that's why I've chosen the role of being the new facilitator of something a bit different. And I'm a facilitator of this podcast and I'm a facilitator of bringing these extraordinary horse people to the world every day and creating a community of conscious horse people. So the way that I transitioned out of equine therapy, I I left Guingana after a certain amount of time and I, I worked in the Talabudgera Valley in the Gold Coast in equine therapy and I had uh, two other horses I worked with that were just still extraordinary, still gave me the same feeling after every session. It's I could sit here for hours and tell you about some of the sessions that I've been through, but I won't. I also worked for a time if people had horses that they were having difficulties with and they were having blocks with and people would say to me, you know, can you come and, and see what's wrong with my horse? And I would say, well, yes and no. So I'm I'm not a horse person. I have no idea on training horses. Um, as far as that goes, I can't give you any advice in that respect. However, I can come and talk to you about your horse. I can come and get your horse's point of view and I can absolutely give relationship advice and deal with what it is that's going on between you and your horse. And they were the things I worked with when I would go and work with some people and their horses as well. So I got a great experience with a breadth of horses and um, each horse that I dealt with just deepened that that absolute want in me one day to be able to give back to these incredible beings in any way that I possibly could. So the next stage in my life was that the grounding that I talked about that I had down in Melbourne that slowly chipped away and left nothing under my feet, it happened to me again. 
And once again, I left where I was. It was time for me to go. And I went out west for a while. And then I came back. And um, whilst I was out west, I'd, I'd met my partner and then came back to be with him. And he had three children. And as a adult woman who had absolutely no parenting experience, going into the role of a parent very quickly showed me that um, I had not only learned my skills to help other humans, but I'd learned them um, to get myself uh, through an extraordinary time in my life where I, I became an instant parent and I had to use every resource and bit of knowledge and training that I had to to navigate this new path in my life. And then uh, Tony and I created Oliver. And so Oliver is five now. And what I realized during this time that I wasn't ever going to go back to being a counselor because uh, parenting and motherhood took every bit of energy that I had. And I just didn't have any to give to other people in a counseling um, counseling way. When you're a counselor, you need to be at about at least close to 100% because you have to be especially working with horses so on the ball because there's so many dynamics going on in a session and I just didn't have it. I, I got up to about 70% but I just I tried it a couple of times and I just knew whilst I did good sessions I could have been better and I used to be better and I had to realize that it was time for me to move on. But as they say, when one door closes, another opens and I'd been listening to podcasts for a long time and I'd always had this podcast in the back of my mind and I'd researched podcasts for about a year and it was when my beautiful mum died at the start of this year. I literally had been sitting there on the 31st of December last year and I was doing my evaluation of my year just gone and doing my uh, what I wanted from my year forward and I'd just been writing and, and went to sleep on my word of the year and my word of the year for 2018 was to be brave because it's what I tell my kids to do all the time and when I actually tell them to be brave transformation happens and I thought well I'm going to take my own advice here and that is going to be my word for the year. Little did I know that 10 o'clock in the morning on the 1st of January 2018, I was going to get the call from my dad to say that my mum was in hospital and it wasn't looking good. And so I flew down that very day on the 1st of January. I was there by 2 p.m. and or 4 p.m. And I had to deal with my mum's passing. And that changes everything. You can't go through something so unbelievably monumental in your life without coming out the other side a different person. I supported my dad and my sister to a point and my mum through her passing. I was the only one sitting by her side talking her through it as she left this world and I cannot tell you what an extraordinary privilege that is. To be able to sit there with somebody who brought you into the world and hold their hand as they leave it. And I stood up and I did the eulogy at her funeral a week later. And it was in that moment that I realised that my mum came out from England when she was 16 on a boat. And it was the day 
where he didn't telephone home. He had to write letters home. And she was so brave and she was so courageous and she was so adventurous. And then she moved from Melbourne up to country New South Wales and I couldn't find the information as to to why she moved there, which was a really sad moment because I realised all the people who held that information had died. And it was a stark realisation to me that you need to talk to people and you need to take records and you need to ask questions while they're alive because my mum was only 70 and she was gone and I didn't get the details that I would like to have got. But what I realised again while doing the eulogy was that she was an adventurous spirit like I said and that when she met my dad and when she had kids she settled and I use that word not lightly she didn't follow the big dreams that she had she had dreams to go back to England one day she had dreams to take us back to England one day She always had dreams to travel, to do amazing things, and she didn't do them. She settled, and she didn't have to, and it was an interesting moment. I always thought I was a lot like my dad, who seemed to be the outgoing one, but what I realized is that my mum was the outgoing one, and that was actually more of my mother's daughter than anything. And so I came home from that, and I honestly thought, what the frick am I waiting for? And I decided to set myself a date and to start recording a podcast and that was final. And so I pushed myself through the fear, through the imposter syndrome of I'm not actually a horse person still, how could I possibly do this? But now I step up into my role and now I am proud of my role and I know my mum stands here with me and I know she's proud of me too. So that is why I do what I do. And guess what? I'm not done yet. I'm really proud of what I do and I love what I do. I have, as I said before, the same feeling now when I finished a podcast interview. I have that same feeling that I had when I would finish an equine therapy session. It's such an honor and a privilege to bring a podcast out every week, but it's going to get bigger than this. And in the coming weeks, I'll share to you what it is that I have in mind and what it is that I'm developing and what it is that we can do together to make the world a better place for horses. So to finish off this episode, I wanted to keep it short and sweet, give you a bit of an idea and an an outline as to who I am and what the hell I'm doing here coming into your ears every week. I wanted to read you this email and I got this the other day and I I get emails every now and then. I get messages every now and then and people telling me how much they love the podcast. But this one I really needed to read to you. So I will. And I have her permission. Tracy, Tracy, Tracy. I just wanted to say a massive thank you from the bottom of my heart for creating your podcast. I absolutely love it. I love it so much that I only discovered it a week ago and I've listened to over 20 podcasts already and some I have listened to twice. Haha, <laughs> I'm hooked. You've created something so great and it's absolutely what I need in my life right now. A week before discovering you, I was feeling really low and questioning what the hell I was doing on this planet. 
an old injury had been playing up to, so it was making me feel even worse. I asked the universe for guidance, as I do, and so I simply clicked on a link someone shared of yours on Facebook, and my world has now changed for the better. Nice one, universe. The knowledge I have gained and the stories that have resonated with me have been fantastic. I have loved so many, but the two that stand out the most to me at the moment are the interviews with Angela Davison, the horse herbalist, and Tony Robinson, the wanderer, but heaps of others too. I know from listening that this was born after you lost your mum. Through grief and loss, I want you to know you are making a difference. I lost my sister 18 years ago. She was only 21. Changed my life forever, but I've learnt so much along the way. She was a massive horse lover too, so I feel we are kind of on this journey together still. By the way, my horse thanks you too. I have your podcast on, not only on the 20-minute drive to see him, but while I'm working in their paddock and while I'm working with them too, keeps me calm and in good energy. After the first one, my horse, who started me on this amazing journey, looked up at me and went, about bloody time you found this. Aha, cheeky bugger. I've done a lot of meditation and emotional work with this particular horse and our connection gets better all the time. He has come a long way from him hating and terrifying me enough that I didn't even feel safe in the paddock with him. I thank him all the time now for sending me on this journey of knowledge and meeting the most amazing people. I wasn't so thankful in the early days because it was so damn hard and cost a fortune, but now I see it's all been worth it. Anyway, I just wanted to say thanks again for your podcast, and I particularly like your style of interviewing. You seem to ask exactly the right question at the right time, all the time listening to the person you are interviewing intently. So many times I've said out loud a question while I'm listening, and two seconds later you ask the exact question. Pretty awesome. I have taken in so many things from all the interview that has changed my mind, and in turn, I'm already seeing the results in my horses too. I have always been kind and tried to put myself in their shoes, but I think my subconscious self-doubt has perhaps been getting in the way because we all know they pick up more than we think. A million blessings and thank yous and keep up the great work. Love, Fiona. So Fiona, I then emailed her back and let her know that her email came at a time where I was feeling quite low in energy myself and I'm going through a really difficult time too and you start wondering, is it all worth it? You know, why is it that I put so much energy into something and to get it out every week? So I was at a really low point and I've been pushing myself to get these podcasts out some week, no matter how great they are. It takes a lot of time in production work. It takes a lot of time in editing. It takes a lot of time in promoting. And none of that is paid work. So there's a point and I'm at 30 podcast episodes that it was really, it was really starting to become a bit of a struggle for me to get the time to get all of this up. And then I get this email. So I emailed her back and said, you know what? We've just helped each other. And that's what I love about the universe is that at a time where I needed to know if what I was doing was actually making a difference, this comes in. So there's another horse, even one at a time. I don't mind if it's one at a time, but as long as I know that there are horses out there who are absolutely benefiting from what it is that I'm doing, I'm going to keep going. And like I said before, we're only going to get bigger from here. I've got great ideas. I'm so grateful that you're along on this ride with me. And I love what it is that we're creating. 
because I'm the facilitator, but we're the community. And every one of you listening means the world to me. And every one of your horses means the world to me. So thank you again. And I'll catch you next time on Come Along for the Ride.